Hi there, this is the Skillshot Pencast, episode 47. I'm Kayla. And I'm Graham. And with us today, we have a special guest, Seth Porges. Seth, can you say hello? Yeah, how are you guys doing today? Good, how are you? I am so thrilled to be here. We're thrilled to have you. Um, So... I guess we Graham and I usually kind of ramble on about what we've been doing lately, but what, yeah, let's not just, just go right, in into, right it. into it today. So let's just go into it. Yeah. <laughs> so Seth, I became aware of you about what well, I'm, I'm going to guess about four or five years ago. You were on a, a podcast game show called "Tell Me Something I Don't Know," um, and you're something that people don't know was about pinball, and that piqued my interest right away. And I was like, hold on a second, there's someone <laughs> on a podcast talking about the thing that I love. Um, and then you ended up winning that round and like you told, I was actually working on a piece called one punk's guide to pinball at the time that was, I was writing for razor cake magazine and I was doing a lot of research and that's how I came to find about that transcript. And then the subsequent episode that I listened to, and it actually helped me a lot in my research when I wrote this piece. So thank you for that in advance. Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm super happy to help. Yeah, for sure. So can you tell me a little bit about how you started getting like the pinball bug? Yeah, absolutely. So I am sort of obsessed and anybody who like knows me even passingly knows this about me. So apologies if you're a friend of mine. Listen, <laughs> um, I've, I've long been obsessed with the history of pinball, much more honestly than the game itself. Lately, I you know I play a ton of pinball. I'm in a league, but that's kind of a relatively recent phenomenon for me. Going back 13 or 14 years though, um, you know, I was okay at the game, never really got too much into it, but I stumbled into this, this story about it the history of it. And I just became super, super obsessed. And basically what <laughs> happened, I'll tell you this whole story, Yeah, is um, 2004, I was working as a journalist, um, as actually an intern at Business Week magazine. And, uh, and I went back to school afterwards, and I went to school in Chicago. And I was thinking to myself about like stories I should pitch my old editor at Business Week. And I was at this bar one day. It was a place called Underground Lounge. I seriously doubt it's still there. It was live band karaoke. It was uh-huh. awesome. And there was a pinball machine in the corner. Not a great one. It was a South Park game. Oh, but, it's terrible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but there was a pinball machine. I was just playing it. Mm-hmm. And this guy who I actually who I knew came up to me and he goes, hey, man, so you know, uh, there, you know, I helped make that machine. Oh, wow. I'm like, I'm like yeah, what, what are you talking about? I was like, yeah, you know, there's actually only one company – left making pinball machines and i and i work there and it's you know it's here in town in chicago and i'm like what what are you talking about that's so weird like random piece of trivia i mean at that point i probably hadn't thought about pinball much you know since i was a kid going to arcades and i was like this is so weird so later when i was trying to think of stories to uh present to my former editor at business week I was thinking to myself man like this is a cool kind of business story that there's only one yeah world they have of course, a monopoly on this thing uh, yeah yeah the monopoly on including a monopoly game yes, exactly. but, um, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh but it was a great story and i was i was local so it would have been like super easy for me to drop by and i knew this guy who worked there right. so i was like oh i got i know the phone call to make um and it was business week so of course they would you know take you up on that right mm-hmm. and and so very quickly i as like a scrappy 20 year old kid i was able to arrange a, um, a really amazing tour of the Stern factory and uh, spent a couple hours there with with Gary. And, mm-hmm. uh, and and that was really weird because I think I showed up and they probably were expecting some, you know, gray-haired old business oh, journalist. Sure. Yeah. And, and I, I, I mean, like, I, I don't even think I knew how to tie a tie at that point in my life. <laughs> like, I, uh, uh, yeah, I had like, dyed hair. It was really funny. But I, so I show up and I spend there and I'm just absolutely... Uh, 
amazed at what I'm seeing because I'm seeing these massive contraptions just kind of built by hand. And yeah. I was like, they're still building things in this country. That's crazy. <laughs> uh -huh. um, and I was just sort of amazed at the, the complexity of it and the intricacy. It was like watching, you know, giant watches being put together. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was really amazing to me. And so then I'm, I'm getting lunch that day with Gary. And he tells me, like, you know, Seth, nobody these days really knows the true story about pinball. And I'm like, oh, what, what, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, <laughs> pinball was illegal in most of the country for a really long time. And today, nobody really knows that. And I was like, what? Hold on a second. I was like, that's crazy. Um, I started asking more. I started telling me a little bit more about the reasons. As many of these listeners probably know, it had a lot to do with uh, gambling. And mm -hmm. the fact that pinball was viewed at the time as a game of chance and not skill and thus gambling, according to how people thought back then. And there in was fact, the payout machines at the bar, too. Like. Yeah, and, and, and what the pinball machine was, like the very definition of it was in these early days, talking 1930s and 40s here, not really defined yet. Like the mm -hmm. game is still evolving from its earliest, uh, you know, like you're looking at that evolution chart on, you know, like the Darwin thing from a, a monkey to a man. You're looking at those old games up to a modern stern. Sure. Like there's a huge gap there. And, and yeah. you're looking at all the way to one side here. These games are still in flux. And a lot of those branches on the evolutionary tree, they're going to die out. Well, I mean, so, we didn't even get flippers until 70 years ago. It was 1947 uh, that we first got yeah, the first flipper. Yeah. The, uh, um, there's, there's apparently some that were made before then. But well, the, they're the, the, like pitch and bat, right? Yeah, exactly. Because they're exactly. mechanical. We're about Humpty Dumpty, of course. Yeah. Uh, Harry Mabs. I just spoke about <laughs> Well, him yeah, I know. I, that's the one thing I got wrong in my article. I, I, I quoted us. I claimed Steve Kordak had done it, but he had just put the flippers in the position that we know them now. But Harry Mabs yeah. was the one. And there was someone else that did it for not Gottlieb, but um, – Gosh, I forget his name that had the first patent on it in 1947. I know exactly what you're talking about. If you yeah. actually look, so Harry Mabs, I got kind of deep into this and started hmm. looking up all of Harry Mabs's old patents. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, he was a, a game designer who did things besides pinball machines, a lot of these kind of early arcade, uh, kind of like penny arcade style games. And he has all these amazing patents from this era mm -hmm. of like these machine gun stand up shooting games that are hmm. like, like picking up a giant machine gun and pointing at a screen. Oh, They're really intense. You should totally look it's them like up. It's like mobsters, like duck hunt kind of thing. Yeah, but like <laughs> really like super, in, like like duck hunt with an AK. It was, right, it was yeah. like re <laughs> really crazy. Uh, but I was actually just, like, I did a lot of research into Harry Mabs the other day randomly. Cool. Um, so so I, was, I was talking to, to Gary Stern about this and I was getting this lowdown. I was just really blown away by this little simple piece of trivia. And it and I was thinking about it and and – Something about it like didn't really sit right for me because uh, you know when I played a pinball machine growing up, I think we all sort of view these games as totally innocuous, like mm -hmm. all American. Like, what's the harm? And just the massive disconnect between the ways that I have viewed them and then the ways they were viewed at this one point in the past, even one so generation before you, yeah, even one generation before me. Mm -hmm. And so I started looking at this, and I and I realized you know now a lot of people know this. A lot of people know pinball was illegal, but I, I honestly feel like you know, 15 years ago, the number of people who knew this who didn't work in the then very small pinball industry was like vanishingly small. Sure. And, and so I started uh, writing some articles for some magazines talking about this a little bit and kind of use it as an excuse to like dig in a little bit deeper. I uh, ended up giving a number of lectures and talks about this topic and got really, really deep into it, finding all sorts of information that I, I don't think it, you know anybody 
really knows or had been seen at least by, by many people, yeah, more than a couple those, people. A lot of those stores kind of went the way of Buffalo because all these designers started to die off too, right? Like, Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And and especially, I became very interested, especially in sort of the the, the prohibition of pinball and oh, the reality yeah. of it. Uh, and that particular, that struck me as particularly interesting. A lot of great things that people may not know, you know, this was kind of the stuff that was going on in New York kind of gets the most attention. Right. Sure. The super colorful character Mr. with LaGuardia, yeah. uh, who was super public, and super loud about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and LaGuardia, it's actually interesting. I was kind of like very interested in understanding like why did LaGuardia hate pinball machines so much? Right. What I think it is, you know, if you, if you look at his history, he actually, you know, his two defining traits, I would say, were his hatred of gambling in a mob and his love of children. And this sort of hit right in that sweet spot because, oh, yeah, of course, sure. the fear about pinball machines was that unlike slot machines, they would be fun and kids would play them and it would serve like a gateway gambling device. Mm-hmm. And so pinball machines were viewed as, as not just this kind of thing preying on, on men who should be home, but instead are at bars drinking and playing pinball machines, but it's something that would <laughs> that would turn their children into like a whole new generation of deviants. Right. And and so one of my favorite uh, old newspaper clips I found was from this uh, scientific conference in Britain at the time in which these scholars were debating, and this is pretty much an exact quote, whether pinball machines were rearing a race of children who would be unable to love because of its... Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. And, uh, and so you're seeing this, it becomes, and I think even people who know about pinball's prohibition don't really understand the level, how it was a moral panic more than anything. And the reason pinball was singularly targeted um and again there were an- the anti-gambling hysteria like that was sweeping through the country took many many forms if you look at what i like to think about is uh you know a hundred years ago people aren't doing so well maybe they're you know out of work maybe their husband isn't coming home maybe he's an alcoholic and people are looking for something that they can say, this is the one problem with society. If we get rid of this, everything will be better. Right. They just need to point to something. Exactly. So in 1920s, that's what happened with temperance and prohibition is people are like, you know what? If we get rid of alcohol, everything wrong with society will get better. And that that was what they were promising and, and really hoping with prohibition. And obviously that didn't work out. And so after prohibition ended, a lot of the same people uh, who were involved in the temperance movement move on to uh, going after gambling and specifically pinball machines. So the Women's Christian Temperance Union, which you know, spearheaded the, the prohibition movement from Evanston, Illinois, also in the Chicago area, uh, basically started the prohibition movement. They would organize vigilante mobs that would sweep through the country clubs in the North Shore outside <laughs> Chicago and smash pinball machines. So mm. crazy. Uh, yeah, and it's like these little old church-going ladies, and there's these great stories where uh, afterwards, you know, newspaper reporters are asking them if they feel like what they did was, you know, over the line, like you know, organizing a vigilante mob. And they say, like, mm-hmm. no, what we did was perfectly sensible and rational and what any dignified person would and do. And, like, preserving like, innocence, right? Like, preserving innocence. It's really what it was. Like, and Are you yeah, a Simpsons people, fan real quick? I love the Simpsons, yeah. There's yeah. a there's a quote in one of, the, like, season seven or six that's, like, uh, it's done nothing worse than pinball and herpes or something. Like, no, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, so, there so, so it's Sideshow Bob. And okay. He's in the blimp. Yeah. And he's like, TV has ruined more young minds than syphilis and pinball. That's what it is. Okay. I'm yes. like searching Simpsons <laughs> pinball herpes on my phone right now. And it's not popping up, which like, <laughs> wrong, fair enough. <laughs> wrong, wrong, uh, wrong. Venereal disease, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's, I remember like coming across that in my research. I'm like, well, the Simpsons made a joke about that. Like you're exactly this whole point that you're p- driving home right now about the, the way that people viewed the game. 
Well, it's it's more than that. So and I, I'm so glad you mentioned that Simpsons quote because, <laughs> uh, you know, what? another thing I became super obsessed with was, um, you know, you take it as, okay, if pinball is illegal, not, of course, universally, but in a lot of the country for decades, it becomes sort of imprinted into the culture in a very different way, mm-hmm. right? So it's almost taken for granted that even if it's not illegal, it's sort of a game that's going to be played by uh, rule breakers, outlaws. Ne'er-do-wells. And, yeah, yeah ne'er-do-wells, <laughs> long hairs with leather jackets. Sure, which is like, so, some of those are kind of my people, but, you know. <laughs> it's, well, now, yeah, I yeah. mean, there you go, right? But but back then, of course, they were they were good for nothing. Right, right yeah. And, and you don't want to mess around with them. And, and it, it, like, goes part and parcel with the kind of the artwork of the 70s on games, too. And, like, it it, it just ties back to that seedy underbelly of, like, just oh, yeah. lots of boobs and lots yeah, of, like, cool-looking guys. And... Yeah. So a hundred percent. So anytime pinball showed up in, in movies or TV shows or media throughout you know, most of mid-century America, it's um, it's showing up in that context. It's mm-hmm. it's because think about a pinball machine. It's such a big, deliberate prop. It's not going to accidentally show up on your movie set, right? right. Like yeah. you have to be making a deliberate decision that I want to put a pinball machine or four here to to serve a purpose, to tell mm-hmm. a story, to convey something about the character. And so pinball machines would frequently show up in like biker gang hangouts and movies and places sure. like that. <laughs> if um, there's actually a group on Facebook called Pin Spotting that my friend Dan Burfield runs, and okay. he um, they do screenshots of every time that there's a pinball in media. So oh, it's, it's all fascinating. I'm sure, like so I I. I I, I, I don't have a blog that does that, but my brain has been doing that for a long oh, time. Oh, sure. Uh-huh. And, and uh, it, it really is like through the 70s, pretty much any time you saw pinball, it was here's a rebel, here's an outlaw, here's yeah. a ne'er-do-well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that changed. I think like the that really only began to change in the 80s when you have movies like Big where uh, Tom Hanks gets a pinball machine once he's made it. Oh, you sure. Know, it, it's like it suddenly becomes like a luxury thing. And there was another movie with a – a little bit late, around the same time with Dana Carvey called, uh, I think called Opportunity Knox, where he like basically is a con man, but he's in this big luxury mansion and there's a pinball machine and they're playing it. And when he's like trying to use code words to his friend about where to meet him there, he's like the pinball place. And it's like, you know, it's meaning like the big luxury fancy place. Like, oh, sure. Yeah. I wonder um, when that shift really happened. Well, I think it was, you know, 76 is when most right of the when... bands fell. And I think it was like super quick after that. Okay. Really. My, one of my favorites, you ever see a movie called Heavy Traffic? No. Okay, so your homework, and you could okay. probably post this, is on YouTube. Just find the trailer for Heavy Traffic. I mean, like, mm. right now, I'm going to pause, and you're going to put in the audio from the trailer. That's what you're going to do right now. And okay. here's the so in, in the, <laughs> there is. In, the, in, the, in, in Heavy Traffic, it's, it's uh, the same person who made that movie, Fritz the Cat. Yeah, was, actually, oh, wow. Kayla, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, I, we Did we not... Uh, have this on the podcast once because I have seen this. I just I just looked it up right now and yeah, it's, I totally recognize this. Was this not? I, we no, we did Pinball Summer. Here it is, Seth. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> oh, wait, I think you're playing. Okay, Sorry. yeah. So it's, it's the same. Uh, it's, it's, it's mostly animation, now. Now. Yeah. It's half animation, half real. But it's the same animator and same director, Ralph. I'm gonna get this yeah, wrong. Ralph Bakshi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Fritz, Fritz the Cat. And mm-hmm. uh, basically, like, in, in the trailer, they're introducing the character, and they literally say, meet, whatever his name is, a 17-year-old pinball-playing virgin. And that's, like, how they oh, define who he is. Yeah. And then, and then they have all these, like, crazy, psychedelic, little kind of, like, alt-comics circa 1977, uh, you know, Fritz the Cat-style animations of mm-hmm. these, like, crazy pinball it's a little machines. little raunchy, a little, like, uh, college yeah, humor. Yeah, super raunchy. Yeah. Super, super, super. Like, uh, lots of 
you know, women of interesting proportions and, sure. and all sorts of weird stuff. But it's basically saying like, this is, this is a defining trait. He's a pinball player and the pinball player, he's a, he's a rebel is what he is. So, That's so interesting. Really cool. Yeah. I just, I came across a, uh, I do record reviews for Razor Cake as well. So I was sent a, a record called Pinball Summer as a soundtrack. And I forget the, um, the name we got in the, in the States for the movie, but yeah, it was kind of like a, it was kind of John a Porky's meatball style, yeah. sort yeah. of thing. And just called yeah. Pinball Summer, and it was just more an Americana, kind of the same vibe. Yeah, but... so that was on the tail end. That was when it was normalized. Yeah, so of. more like late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. No, but I've actually, actually I've seen definitely that seen that Heavy Traffic trailer. As soon as I pulled it up, it cool. like my memory was jogged. Yeah, I Oh, it was called out. Pickup Summer here in oh, the States, 1980. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so Heavy Traffic, you got to watch the whole uh-huh. movie itself. I mean, maybe you can get through it. If so, you're a better <laughs> man than that. But uh, the trailer is great, but then also just like the first five minutes. Uh, and it's probably on YouTube as like the first five minutes of heavy traffic. It it, it basically is just one long extended pinball animation weird oh, scene where That's he's awesome. like narrating his game as if it's a metaphor for his life. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like the scene in She's All That when Freddie Prince Jr. is happy <laughs> sacking and he's like, flip left, do this. It's like, you know, he's sure he's like, narrating in like the directions yeah. on. Yeah, it's like don't drop the hacky sack, don't uh-huh. drop the ball, whatever you do. It's like exactly the same oh, so as cool. Freddie Prince Jr. narrating <laughs> if he's all that. So I just went from heavy traffic to she's all that, which has probably never happened. No, I don't think so. Great connection, great <laughs> connection. <laughs> and yes, I can confirm, heavy traffic full movie is the up next after the trailer here on YouTube. Excellent. So, folks, that's uh, that's what we're gonna we're gonna have a movie night here yeah. in Seattle. You absolutely should. And uh, yeah, so so pinball would make all these appearances in movies. And I feel like, you know, of the modern generation of filmmakers, very few people are doing it in the same way. I think one exception I frequently cite is Richard Linklater, who puts pinball in almost every movie he makes. Um, Often for this purpose, although I have no idea if it's conscious or not, his like, I'm, you know, I'm going to do this to show that these people are badasses or if he just likes pinball. Um, And, uh, you know, Days and Confused, they all enter the Emporium, which is like the pool hall where all the... The, the no trouble the trouble yeah, the bad kids hang out right mm-hmm. and uh and there's just like extended shots of the slackers and stunners playing mm-hmm. pinball machines so yeah it's really fun to just think about it in that context <laughs> and especially after it moved um i mean like 76 is when roger sharp made his hail mary shot to mm-hmm. end the the new york ban um did you know are you under the or did you know that oakland had an 80 year ban on that yeah it, it was just lifted like a year and ago like, yeah, yeah yeah and it was yeah. the last year or two and my understanding is that the reason for this, I know way too much. About I have this a stuff. very oh small. God. Okay, my, oh I have my a God. very small story that I know. I never got to too do far it, into do it. it. Do it. Uh, I'm do it. I'm way less of a journalist than you are, so I don't have <laughs> as, as many resources available to myself. But um, I've heard that it was a party that someone had in Oakland that had lots of pinball machines, and there was a noise complaint, and that's what kind of like tipped people off to it. And someone looked on the books and they're like, oh, yeah, pinball is actually illegal. We could get you for a lot more than this. And people were like, are you serious? Let's No, this is ridiculous. It needs to get off the books. Well, yeah, that's the other side uh, to that coin. That, I mean, what, what you were talking about, Seth, uh, that so many people aren't aware about the pro, uh, of the prohibition of pispo- uh, so, pinball. Ugh, let me try that again. Prohibition <laughs> of pinball history there. Like, um, there are a lot of books on – there are a lot of rules and laws on the books laws, that yeah. – uh, that have been hanging out like the Oakland one that just got overturned there. I mean, Alameda was something still had else. a ban and they have a pinball museum and they like skirt around it by different. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll see a, something come up every, every like four or five months at some band that's been sitting around that nobody. Yeah. Kokomo knew just about. unlifted. There we ban. go. Yeah. 
Well, it's as I'm in pinball alone. I mean, like you know, when you're dealing with such a patchwork, yeah. I mean, like our, our whole or our whole country, we have federal government, state government, county. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. County, you know, you're going to have so many laws on the books that people just kind of forgot about. Like it's illegal to walk the dog on the left side of the street on Mondays, right? Or something like that. Yeah. Like that, that's probably a law somewhere, right? And <laughs> pinball machines uh, were just one of those things where hey, you know we're not going to really expend the effort to overturn this. We'll just forget about this and just kind of happen. I actually, I uh, spent my time in upstate New York in a town called Beacon. And in Beacon, this, what you just talked about, like somebody wielding this kind of long dormant anti-pinball law as a weapon is is literally what happened there just oh, wow. um, three or four years ago. This guy had this uh, kind of like storefront old arcade museum with a lot of retro games, including a bunch of pinballs. And apparently what I heard is that the landlord was trying to get rid of him and kind of use that law as an excuse mm. to to kick him out and to evict him. Almost like um, he was a drug dealer or something, right? Yes, like <laughs> exactly. Like you're breaking the law. Yeah. It's, and I mean, who knows exactly what happened, but that's, so that's crazy. How you're, with Oakland, my understanding, I could be like totally wrong here. People who understand California politics probably know much more about this than I do. But uh, I think it was like linked actually to the Alameda Museum because I think Alameda is technically part of the same Oakland. county. Yeah, and I and I wonder if it was a county law, mm-hmm. and um and and the town, you know, Alameda, technically town, whatever it technically is, they, uh, you know, they're looking to move their pinball museum mm-hmm. to a different location because it's like a strip mall and, and took over what I believe is the old post office, and they're going to do that, right and that. then people are like, oh, you can't do that because it's actually legal. like, so like wait a second, whatever, yeah. yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. and so the impetus again, you need like an impetus to overturn these things. The impetus was. Hey, this is like a really great thing we have in town that's really good for the local economy yeah. and government. Let's let's fix that. Well, see, I, I think I feel like that's pretty close to what happened, but I mean, it's like the only reason that that short sort of came up probably is because it has that kind of museum um level of patronage and not just like a cuz there's bars and and places in Oakland that you can go play pinball. Like you can go to the High Life Pizza or you can, there's a golf mini golf course out there that has pinball machines in it. But those are for-profit businesses and I'm sure that like whatever kind of zoning that the I'm sure they're a non-profit or some kind of 51c3 status. So maybe when they were starting to try to move their business or location that you know checked a few boxes on legal documents that didn't quite match up or something. I don't know. It's who knows. Oh, another fun thing about pinball, like back in this day too, not just like movies is uh, if you look at like newspaper articles and anytime like a crime was committed within, you know, a hundred feet of a pinball machine, they would just like, oh, it, no. almost like they're blaming the pinball machine for it. Uh, sure. so like guilty by association. association? Yeah. yeah. Oh, like literally there'd be like, um, or especially if the law, or if the, if, whatever the crime was had some sort of like seven deadly sins kind of aspect to it. So uh, like a, a husband caught his wife cheating by pl- caught his wife, like playing pinball machines with some dude. Oh, killed her. As if like the pinball machines turned him into this, you know, right. like nobody could control themselves. The, the <laughs> lust and the wildness. Yeah. Um, oh, you guys ever, by the way, read the uh, Murakami book, Pinball 1973? I haven't. It comes up. I love Murakami, and I just haven't gotten to that one. And from my understanding, it doesn't have a ton to do with pinball besides the title, but um, there is quite a bit in there. Well, it's like a novella. It's not yeah, very okay. long, but uh, but like a couple pages of it are amazing because they are – there's basically this incredibly eloquent essay about the, the, the development and growth of the pinball machine, and he basically uh, – plays it out as as a you know he draws an analogy between that and the rise of Hitler 
So they're saying that like both Hitler and pinball machines basically came onto the world at the same time for the same reasons, Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. preying on man's basic instinct. And it's, uh, it's, it's really amazing. So that's highly recommended reading just like the first couple pages of that book. Wow. Um, Seth, have you uh, looked much into uh, pinball's illegality and, and otherwise uh, outside of the United States by chance? Yeah. So it was never that popular outside the U.S. Sure, um, yeah, just in fits and spurts it, for the most part. And you also got to think like, okay, so when this was really going on, this was like early 1940s, we're not really shipping too many pinball machines to Overseas, Europe. Overseas, yeah. Yeah, right. we're not shipping anything that's not explosive or food right. at that point, really. <laughs> um, or, you know, and the pinball industry itself at this point had lar- not totally shut down, but largely frozen its tracks because of the war effort because the you know sure. pinball industry had these factories that could be used to build parachute straps and, and ammunition like steel yeah. and wood like think to yeah. like very basic resources that mm-hmm. are needed for the war efforts so they uh i don't know if you guys know what do you guys know what what the pinball industry did to stay alive during this time it's actually really cool what's that I'm not sure now go for it so so they came up with this clever idea which was okay we can't make new machines but we can sell, they call them conversion kits. So oh. turn old machines into new ones. So it'd be like Pony. a new playing field and a new theme. And uh, it's sort but of similar to- It fits right what, in your cabinet, I think. Yeah, it'd be similar to like Highway, the company's doing I was right going to say, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you're aware of Highway Pinball. They're modular effect or attempt to um, just have one, one pinball cabinet in your flat or your home and then swap out the play field on the side art. I wonder, I'm sure they are aware of this history. You should totally talk I to went to their that, factory but... a year and a half ago in Wales. Like I've been to Murder Tidville in Wales and seen their whole operation. So it's really neat but, to see that. But it's a, you know, kind of, you know, not the highest moment in, in, uh, in pinball history is like what a lot of these themes were. So, you know, as you would expect of like early 1940s, all the kind of like rah-rah patriotism, go, mm-hmm. you know, bring the boys home kind of stuff. And then there are like some just straight up, racist against particularly Japanese people think sure um which uh there's one I mean game. there's like Jap um gosh I, what was it I've seen some really problematic pinball machines over that time yeah smack the Japs was one yeah was called, which and it's yeah like yeah it's it's definitely problematic mm-hmm. so, but there, it was it's just kind ahead. of an interesting thing they did oh you go ahead I'm sorry. no sorry <laughs> but then I was thinking on the flip side there's like uh like Sega put out a game called Woman Lib and it's all about women's liberation and I mean, it's, you know, lost in translation. It's literally called Woman Lib and it's a Sega game. And those games are so fascinating to look at because the design is a, instead of the glass sliding towards you to be fixing the game from the glass sliding out of the cabinet, it flips up like a car head and it just has these little hooks on the side and just goes, you know, like just at an A-frame angle and you can work on the machines. I'm somewhat surprised they didn't put out like you know pinball for her with a vanity mirror, right. sure, right? <laughs> like something to hang your makeup compact a My on. My Little Pony thing or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's a purse hook, you know. It's <laughs> pinball for and it's pretty pink. A pinball for she. Yeah, it's, my it's, passion of journalism within pinball is to um, just talk about the problematic art to women. Not so much like people of color, but I do. I am sympathetic to that. It's just like from my standpoint, like I can do a lot more. And I run a women's pinball league in Seattle. I've been doing it for three and a half years. um, Just trying to uplift and like get more people, more women involved in it. Because, you know, like I, a year and a half ago, we have a game called Whoa, Whoa Nelly, Big Juicy Melons come out. Oh, I know like, that really? game. Yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what year is this, guys? Yeah. I mean, I, 
I mean, the game was like supposed to be kind of a throwback, old, look like an old EM game. Sure. But I mean, but do you really need time. to have like, like, they hit the mark and miss the, yeah, they hit the mark and they miss the mark at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I well, uh, so, uh, I, I was, I was going on a, a, a bit of a dive um, regarding uh, where I could play pinball in Mexico City because I, I w- uh, am planning to visit there soon. And, um, and I had just been in uh, Barcelona and I was looking there and I had a very difficult time finding. Uh, pinball in Barcelona. But anyway, um, when I was looking there, I um, came across some stories just from a couple of years ago that um, Mexico uh, and their government has actually been recently cracking down, newly cracking down on pinball. Man. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And so, so like, so happened. oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. they, you know, seizing like hundreds of games and slot machines with pinball machines and all that conflation is still happening again. And it's coincidentally happening at the same time that they're trying to build up resort uh, towns like Acapulco and, oh, I can't say anything. Thank you, (laughs) Acapulco and Cancun and make them kind of gambling havens as well. So Mm. it's like, you know, it's a little, you know, speaking out of both sides of their mouth sort of thing. Like they're trying to ruin the industry in one sense and chastise it while just creating the only place you can play elsewhere. Yeah, I think maybe they're trying to have a monopoly on it basically yeah. 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 Exactly. any sort of game if anyone's making money on this it's gonna be us mm-hmm. yeah. if anyone's gonna be making money that's gonna, that's the impetus for a lot of laws yeah. um so speaking of like problematic artwork i think one of the more famous so i i have a captain fantastic you, game from 72 uh-huh. you also have which, an akadaka don't you i do have an akadaka <laughs> <laughs> I, have two. I was gonna throw that to you as like a trivia like yeah. what is this called in australia but you just picked up on it and I don't have I to do. it's it's act lightning bolt dac is yeah. that what they call it yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i have the potentially problematic version of it too yes you do i saw that you have the lucy t and acdc i call it so, t and acdc you, you call what t and acdc uh yes so so um but captain fantastic though is i think it's got some of the neatest art it's also got you know art that famously got the company in a little bit of trouble because it, if you look really cl- it's like a where's waldo there's like yeah, all there's these little like characters. a isn't there like a hitler character in there or something yeah i was gonna say okay yeah. exactly okay, okay. So, so you so and i you, are like at, equally nerdy about pinball so this exactly is good. <laughs> well I, I didn't notice until i literally had this in my living room that there was a hitler sure. but it's it's like a where's waldo where you look in the background and like oh what's mm-hmm. hitler doing hanging out with waldo but um, it's got all these little characters on, and and the the more famous controversial bit of it is the part where there's a woman, uh, kind of grabbing a, a man's groin area, yeah. and then they kind of move the location of these kind of star decal mirrors to kind of cover up a little bit of mm-hmm. that. So it's like, um, well, that's not quite what's going on, but it could be, yeah. Oh, there's no question, right? That's yeah. What's going on. Uh-huh. But but if you don't see it because behind this tiny star, it's, it's like it's like the pasty of pinball. Like yeah. who knows what's behind there, right? Um, but, uh, but, but if you still look, there's all these historical characters, it's kind of like a Sergeant Pepper type deal, like sure. a bunch of random historical characters in there. And there, there's like Einstein, there's one who I think is Frank Zappa, though I couldn't confirm. And then there's, there's, there's Hitler. Yeah. And, just hanging there's out. no mistake in that's Hitler. Right. <laughs> there right. Yeah. Uh, there's like, have you looked at the back glass for Nitro Ground Shaker very closely? Uh, no. Cause there's. Definitely, like, there's a little like a uh, lookout tower on the left side of the back glass. There's definitely a gangbang happening back, back there. My goodness! Like, um, <laughs> you see women's legs like flying out of the windows in it, and like men just going at it. And it's like, whoa! There's way too many people in there, and the body parts that they're showing, you're just like, there's no question about what's that, what's being depicted depicted here. Yeah, I mean, they were they were trying to sneak anything. They oh could. sure, yeah. I'm looking mm-hmm. at your ground shaker now, and <laughs> it's up in the upper uh, left. Where- 
There's like a little guard tower kind oh. of thing. Oh, I'm doing this from memory, so. <laughs> oh my, upper right, upper right. Oh, is upper right. there's something okay. going on there. Yeah, who knows? Wow. So what, do you guys have any games? I have a, a Bram Stoker's Dracula that's on loan from a friend. Uh, yes, I do not game. have any games, but for a while I was living with a, a Ripley's and then that Lord was swapped out for a Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But you, whoever, you know, I think you got the better end of that deal. Also. Oh, I absolutely did. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. it, was a, so. it was a friend of ours, a mutual friend who just had too many games. And his yeah. girlfriend said, if you have more games than you can fit in this one room of your house, you, you have to do something about that. So mm-hmm. he volunteered to just leave one of mine. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a long time before I swap my Akadaka out just because <laughs> I live on a fifth floor walk up. Sure. And oh boy. It, uh, it's, it's not so much like the, the, I mean, and also these new sterns, they're like 300 pounds. Yeah. They're heavy. Like, I've the moved old, the Twilight Zone before. Been, that's, that was the heaviest one I've ever moved. Which, which one? Twilight Zone. I think that's 350. Oh, yeah. 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 And, you know, like before this, the only ones I really had much experience moving was my 1972 EM, which sure. is nothing. Like, I mean, I could carry that myself if I On your back, it. right? Yeah. On my back. Uh-huh. I could do it. But I could. And this, I, I just wasn't prepared for this. And then yeah. the, uh, it's a really narrow staircase. So I feel like the, the movement in and out is, is going to be yeah. pretty risky. <laughs> so. I, I've told the story briefly on the podcast in the, in the past, but my, my move into, like my, uh, my stairs go up four and then to the left eight. So it was very difficult to get that up the stairs in my apartment too. So yeah, and it's on loan from a friend, and and Rod has said you might just have to buy that or own it for a while because I'm not really looking forward to taking that out of your place. There was a moment when I thought that that pinball machine would live on a step right? in my building oh, forever, gosh. and it never, I was like, <laughs> there's, "It's just not, it's not moving." It's because yeah. there was like a turn. It was a turn it wasn't making. I was yeah. like, "It's not making this turn. It's this is this is it." And it's then, so heartbreaking. Yeah, the solution I kind of stumbled upon was to very awkwardly stand on the step above it and bear hug the machine. <laughs> oh, boy. And then help one step at a time uh-huh. by bear hugging it. And it and again, it's more, it's like 300 something pounds. So right. Like, You're like, this I is worth it. <laughs> it's either that or, I mean, yes. go up one more flight or down four more. Like, oh, so my almost gosh. Almost there, almost there. Yeah. Oh, you're a saint. I'm so glad it worked <laughs> out. <laughs> well, that's, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what parts of you guys, uh, you're asking about, you know, European history. And I, I was saying, actually, there, there were some some laws in places like Italy mm. against pinball machines, but it just was never the phenomenon there to say. It's so funny, though, because I, I meet a lot of people from Europe, because uh, mm-hmm. like an Airbnb room in my house, and sure. a lot of people come, and, and they're all very excited for the pinball machine, but they all call it Flipper. They flipper. Yes, Lip they flipper. flipper. Yeah. That's what I found when I was there. I went there for the first time a year and a half ago. And I was asking people, uh, fortunately, like, so okay, so I landed in London, and then two days later, there was a UK pinball party in Wales. I was like, of course I have to go to this, you know? So I found uh, the one, the biggest pinball bar in London, which was, uh, oh gosh, I'm spacing on the name, they're since closed. But um, we went there, and I met the Swedish owners, and they offered to give me a ride to Wales. And the next day, they picked me up in Camden Town and took me to Wales, and I met all these people that love pinball, and... And I met up with one of the guys from London. We went to Berlin and we went to Manchester together. And I had done research about where to find pinball. And anywhere on the street, I asked, I was like, oh, is there a pinball machine at this bar? They're like, 
I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. And then Robin would say, Le Flipper, and he's like, oh, Flipper, Flipper, yeah, yeah, right here. It's like, yeah. oh. I, I wish somebody had explained that to me before I was in Spain and Portugal because, yeah. you know, when I already have that la- uh, the language barrier there, it was nearly mm-hmm. impossible, just a lot of blank stares. Oh, yeah, um, you look like you got three heads. Yeah, but <laughs> lucked into a, I messaged the right person on Facebook, and they just sent me a, a map they had lovingly built themselves online mm-hmm. of where to find all the pinball. Yeah, so they don't. I mean, we we have those apps here. They, I'm not, you, I was saying we have those apps here. They don't work over there. They don't have those over right, there. The yeah. pinball finding apps. Yeah. Well, so I don't know they if released. you're aware, but here in Seattle, like Graham and I, this podcast that we do is a is a extension of a ten year near ten year old zine that we've been doing. Uh, Graham and I have been doing. He's six and a half years for you, and probably around six for me. Mm-hmm. Closer to seven for Graham, but we do a bi monthly print zine where the inside is a 11 by 17 piece of paper listing every machine in the Seattle metropolitan area and where to find it and what's all ages. Yeah. We update it, you know, every, every Every day almost. Yeah. Yeah, Every time something changes. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We have over 522 machines on location here. You've been to any uh, bars in New York? I have not, but I would love to go to sunshine and modern. Yeah. Sunshine is amazing. (laughs) They have a big bang bar. It's on my bucket list. It, well, I mean, I know it, it's not very exciting. <laughs> I, I've heard, <laughs> but it's there. An incredibly attainable bucket list. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Sunshine's amazing. It's 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 special in like a million ways. I mean, it's it's only been a bar for the past year or so, but before that, it was just a laundromat that had mm-hmm. twenty machines oh, stuffed man. in between the dryers. And it's in this uh, <laughs> kind of neighborhood that's like half hipsters and half old polish people mm-hmm. and so they'd be like you know you'd be playing pinball machines next to like you know grandmother's stuffing laundry into <laughs> does that into mean dryers. that they're also everyone's dressed the same because hipsters sometimes dress like old polish people oh i see what you're saying <laughs> no, they're all wearing sorry. head shawls yeah and, like yeah, yeah. And, like maybe some nice <laughs> flannels and like weird looking jeans <laughs> But the, the owner of Sunshine is is also the best and is a big dog guy. So it's like a really great dog hangout too. Yeah, really cool. pet friendly. And it's open uh, relatively early for bars, especially on weekends. So mm-hmm. a lot of kids will be there during the daytime. Um, you know, so it's kind of like a nice kid friendly place during the daytime before it becomes super barry later at night. Yeah, it but sounds it's, great. It's, I really yeah, would like incredible. to visit. And, uh, you know, even before they, you know, it was officially a bar, like, you know, friends of mine would have like birthday parties in this laundromat <laughs> with 20 pinball machines. And he would, you know, he would literally like take over his laundromat and they put a bunch of beer in like a dryer of like ice for you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and just like shove it in there. Uh-huh. The other, speaking of, have you guys ever been to a place in LA called Pins and Needles? I yes. have not been to Pins and Needles, but I've been to 82. Yes, I, 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 I stopped by, but uh, um, I was I was with my family and we were kind of on the go. So it was more of a just Poppy peek my head in and, and yeah. keep moving, unfortunately. How would you describe Pins and Needles? It's kind of a weird place. Like a yeah, it's, if, if, I'm, if I have the right place in mind, it's like also like a, a bunch of practice spaces. Yeah, it's the loading dock of like a rehearsal, a music rehearsal. Yeah, and I, it was like midday when we stopped by and there was almost nobody there, but the door was oh, wide open. I, I yeah, felt like very that. uncomfortable being there, like I didn't belong. <laughs> and then like my dad's around the corner too, like he's even more out of place. So I don't know, I would have loved to have gone back like in the late afternoon or early evening and just like met some people, but no, I, I wasn't able to really appreciate it. It's an amazing place because it's it's in this uh, recording stu- space called or recording and rehearsal space called Bedrock Studios, and it's this massive complex. It's like like an old feels like an old school, basically like huge winding corridors, a million little rooms, mm-hmm. and then the loading dock they have like twenty games, 
And these games are a very specific pinball aesthetic, Mm -hmm. which is like 1980s ugly. You like know, early like solid state <laughs> stuff. Like, yes. Yeah, like like Gottlieb games with just like, like weird pre- art but on premiere them. games, right? <laughs> They're so like hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Exactly. I, like, I kind of really equate those ugly. to like what you would see on a miniature golf course. Yeah, but it's like somebody curated. Like it, it's so intentional. Like yeah, curate them, and then they have like maybe one or two DMD games, really. But it's almost all that. Like. And in that era of Bally games, I was like mousing around and like I love hot dog and, so much. Yeah, like those yeah. kind of games. And the Bally wide so, bodies, the five wide exactly. bodies that they made. There was a exactly. time we have a place not quite like that. That's Molly Atkinson's place. She's so sweet. I love her. But um, there's a place in Seattle called Attaball, and it's a. It was very much like you were walking into someone's basement when it first opened, and they've since like expanded and expanded and expanded. But they did at one point have. What at one of each of the five Bally wide bodies next to each other, and it was a beautiful lineup. So like space invaders exactly. and hot dog in and um future spa. Oh, they have future spa there too. Yeah, like are there only five Bally wide bodies. Yeah, there's only five. There's the space oh. invaders, centaur, or no, sorry, not centaur. But what's the future spa, space invaders, hot dog in, hot dog in, uh, paragon, paragon, and and oh, man. The embryon. Spider- embryon. Spider-Man? Oh, no, yeah. no, it's Embryon. Um, Superman is an Atari game. There's Spider-Man. As in. They're like that first Spider-Man game. Oh, yeah. Oh. No, that's not a wide body, is it? I don't know. I don't know. But the, but that's the – like, they might have had – they had like three or four of those wide bodies there, mm-hmm. by the way. And then like a bunch of Frontier games. And then when I was there once, the only DMD game they had was a Whitewater with a color DMD, which is like the most random thing to have there. <laughs> and then I went back and the only one they had was – a. NBA fast break. I love fast which, break so much. <laughs> so I played a I had a comp- competition game the other day with fast break. What a weird competition it game is. this is because yeah. there's no bonus first of all. It's and the it's best like you, thing to tie on too. Oh no! It's always like most you can possible. tie on it. Yeah, you can totally tie on it. You can tie, and it's you so can possibly weird. get zero um, points. You can get zero points. Yeah. it's it's so weird. Or you can be down by one and then mm-hmm. like lose you know and but uh but, but hit so many ramps place, you could hit so many ramps in your ball and score no points and get no points yeah you can hit so many Ramp. shots and get no points that should be your next <laughs> skill shot showcase is how to play oh, fast break sure then, you got it i mean like a good game of fast break like your your score is like 60 or 70 oh no but then they have Seth, like, i'm they sorry have... my best score is like 150 but i mean like an okay game <laughs> but you're, like, you're not ashamed if you get 60 or 70 no yeah but then sure. they have a trivia mode yeah that's i know worth 10 uh-huh. that's worth yeah. 10 well there's also a question that's Such called game how much is this question worth if you get it right and the, the answer should be nine because if you get it wrong you get a point oh. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> um so any question answered wrong you get one point but you get the question right and it's you know i've learned a lot about early 90s nba trivia because of that game <laughs> yeah i mean it's it, 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 it's literally, it's amazing. Like all these games, it kind of reminds you when you see an old pinball machine and then you see like the, you know, when it's in the attract mode and there's a bunch of random sure. stuff in the DMD that, you know. Like Ripley's Believe some... It or Not, like there's yeah. an oh. anthill that's five stories high and so yeah. and so, yeah. <laughs> or, but, you know, like all the Williams games, like we're not the, I mean, the new-ish Williams games, like early 90s Williams games when email just became a thing have like sure. their email address on them. Yeah. And also or call for a hat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've always been wanting to email Aids like is real, protect mid- yourself. Exactly. Like medieval at WMS.com or yeah. something. Age uh-huh. is real, protect yourself. Yeah. <laughs> that one. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's on the shadow. It's on, uh, gosh, I know it's on the shadow. I know it's on like a couple machines from that area. But it's, it's so, it's such like a, like a, t- or, or, you know, you know, 
call this number to get a t-shirt or something. Yeah, like, like right. the Black Knight t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, I would actually totally wear a Black right. Knight t-shirt. I know. I would just, I need to have like the Black Knight theme song as my ringtone because it's the best. <laughs> I think we can, we, like, has anybody made Black Knight well, 2000, obviously, but Black Knight 2000 t-shirts? Because I think that would be. Well, um, we do a thing amazing. in Penn, in Portland called uh, Pin Brawl and there was a, an, a logo from that as well as a lot of other machines on their last year's t-shirt. Uh, they do kind of like a little uh, collage of like really cool artwork as their machines or as their t-shirts for the tournament. I love that game. Black Knight 2000 is, if you find one that's like in pristine There's, condition, yeah. is, is nothing more, your game will never, satisfying. Frustrating. <laughs> there, exactly. There's one eight like, minutes from my house, so I get to play yeah. that pretty often. If it's in good condition, there is nothing faster and more frustrating and oh, like absolutely brutal. white white knuckle. It's yeah, so good, it's the kick out from the right side that kills me every time, because like sometimes like we found that it will always the one that by my house will always bounce from the right flipper to the left flipper if you do nothing, but um getting you want to get it to that hurry up shot on the left side. So it's like how do you trap and slow the ball down to get that shot, and post transferring is a little scary. It's so. it's such a I mean that game is just like keep it in the upper play field, mm-hmm. like, keep mm-hmm. it up there. Like let it like collect the you know the hurry up from filling in the lanes. Get the uh, ramp to go down and lock your get ball. Get that ramp. Yeah, I mean, but some of them like that upper flipper doesn't have enough juice to make it up that ramp. Sure. I found, which is like I guess like half the game's objective. Um, right. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, man, we're getting deep there. Um, <laughs> well, we're really but, but, fortunate to have some really amazing pinball techs out here. So yeah. it's rare. Like people's yeah. complaints are like, oh, the tights, the tilt's too tight. It's like, shut up. Back in my day, this, I know. you couldn't even see what the a artwork difference, on it. What a difference seven years makes. Just yeah. like playing just seven or eight years ago here mm-hmm. was so inconsistent compared to now where like oh you God. just write a place off if they don't have a Rising high functioning. Boats. Yeah. Yeah, like oh, it used to be so hard to find reasonable pinballs to play. And that's like, you know, when I first started becoming obsessed with the history again more in the game, it was so rare to right. find a pinball machine. And if you did, it was like one, you know, the the kind of decrepit, dusty one in the back of some shady bar sure. and it was, smelled like smoke. Yeah. Um, but it was it was so rare that and it's it's so astonished me what's what's happened. And back then I felt like I was, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this, maybe you guys yourselves had that experience where like I felt like this was something I'm very interested in, but there's literally nobody else around me who is. Mm-hmm. Um and and then like slowly it just started seeing it kind of like claw its way back into the consciousness and i'm like oh with man, like the fierceness too the fierceness and i realized yeah. like man i was i felt vindicated you know? yeah, yeah yeah for real i'm starting to like to be honest i'm starting to get on the other side of the court the coin with oversaturation and people <laughs> yeah. not respecting their elders i'm like <laughs> <"You know?"> <laughs> <Is that so? laughs> like yeah there's so many new people i'm like do you know do you even know who james eads is he started the seattle pinball league Come on, people. <laughs> I don't live in Seattle and I well, don't yeah, know who he is, right. but I feel like I have a pass. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. But it's just like there's so many amazing people out here and we have so many of the top players in, in this area, like in the world. Like we've had uh, Todd McCullough on the show who lives in Bainbridge Island, you know, was a professional basketball player for years and is a passionate pinball player. So oh, there's like so many good characters out here. Mm-hmm. I was just at this party. At, I was at Sundance Film Festival, and I ended up, as I guess one is prone to do there, at this like ridiculous mansion party that's larger than any house I've probably ever been in, in my life. Sure. And they had. It's always great when you like go into those places, and the dude has like a pinball room. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, man, and it was really interesting. He had three games. They were all. They must have been like Hepas or something because they were in such like they had never been played, oh, and so they were set. And they were set to. Uh, 
either five or ten ball free play. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, a wow. casual thing because, like, yeah. no one's going to pay attention to how many balls they played. No, exactly. I was like, he's going for that wizard mode. But he had a medieval <laughs> madness. He would, he had a Twilight Zone and, and then he had a, a World Series of Poker. And, like, oh. two of those three <laughs> make sense. Right, <laughs> right. World, yeah, it's, it's, World Poker Tour is like some of the worst backlash. Oh my gosh, unsettling! Yeah. So unsettling. It's, it's it's like Uncanny Valley. It, like it yes, looks like a like a Absolutely. robot. <laughs> yes. it's, but it's but one hundred percent because like you can see somebody like you've got unlimited resources. You can get whatever pinball machines you want. Like I'll get a medieval madness. I'll get a Twilight Zone. Oh sure, perfect condition. Number three, World, World Poker Tour. Poker Tour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no offense to oh, Super Cheat. It's an okay game. Right. But, like, yeah, but it's, it's not an A-list game. Yeah. It's not his best game. You know, it's like, yeah. it's, it, and it's like, man, like, really? Like, it, 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 like what's next? Like, 24 the game? <laughs> <Right>. CSI? <laughs> you know? I really want. I really want to, oh my goodness, I really want to like uh, open a pinball bar or just get a personal collection that's just really great pinballs based off really bad movies. Yeah, we've mm, done an episode yeah. about that. You should look into our back catalog. You know, what did we call it? It was the, uh, we had a, an acronym for it. The It was like the, an inversion graph almost. Yeah, the pinball, oh, movie man. to pinball inversion principle or something like that. <laughs> well, but, like the worse the, the movie, the better the game. I thought about this so much because, I mean, first of all, like if you want to get a good game, that's probably where the bargain is. Sure. Right. Um, you know, like, like, I mean, honestly, nowadays people probably would, but it's like, who wants a Johnny mnemonic giant thing in their house? Right. Like, but <laughs> with I mean, like Ice T and Henry Rollins in yeah. that movie, you know, it's so it's, cool. <laughs> so, but like now it's now it's like bad cool, you know. Mm-hmm. It's but but it, like for past twenty years, who would want a giant mnemonic pinball? And then, of course, the problem is like you know, if if you're making this thing as part of the run up to a movie. Just imagine, like oh, you have sure. no idea, you have no idea what we have. But imagine oh, yeah. this pinball company or a designer, and they're like promising you, "This is going to be yeah. a hit. It's going to be amazing. Every, kids are going to have giant mnemonics, school, bo- <laughs> school boxes, like lunches, be- lunch boxes." Yeah. I mean, that was it's the nail in the coffin children. for Williams was episode one. So like they oh, they put all their eggs in a basket and like thought oh. that it was going to be the best, and they were re- innovating pinball with and Pinball Two Thousand. I mean, how can you blame them too? It's a Star Wars Everybody IP. was ready like, how, for yeah. everybody was psyched. Yeah, what a sure thing that must have seemed like too. Right. I like, can't even imagine how crestfallen everyone at that company was. And imagine they're like going into development, like you know what, guys, I think this Jar Jar character is going to be huge. Right. We need some more modes about him. He's uh-huh. going to be the breakout <laughs> character of this thing. Yeah, He's get some more Jar Jar, and you can't undo that. No, yeah. you can't undo that. Maybe you could have because that was like software based, but well, I mean, should do it was so intentionally in there. Oh, no. Somebody should do like a like a ROM hack of Episode One. Oh yeah, that makes it like a good Star Wars movie. Yeah, let, let, let's just make it a Force Awakens game. Yeah, Force Awakens. I've yeah. heard strong rumors that the next game from Stern is going to be a Star Wars one, but it's going to oh, be really? the original trilogy and not Force Awakens. Well, hey, whatever. Which I'll is silly, it. but yeah, you know, whatever. There's been like three or two, at least two. How many original trilogy games have there been? Like How many Star Wars IP Data games? East. Yeah, there's like Data East. There's, there's the Data East trilogy. Sega. There's the Sega one. There's the um, Pinball one. 2000. Uh, like there's one yeah. more. We've had this conversation before, too, about how, uh, which actor has been on the most pinball machines. I think it's uh, it's your Stallone or Schwarzenegger. It's one of those. I think two. Ford's up there too, though. Indiana yeah, Jones and Star Wars. But doesn't oh. he like? Doesn't he hit, take umbrage with his actual likeness being on? I think games? so too. So it's like well. it's not exactly Harrison Ford that keeps on appearing. It's like yeah. a, a likeness of Harrison Ford. It's like the Times Square Elmos we see in New York who look just <laughs> enough off of them. <laughs> there we go. Right. 
like fake, or it's you know he's like kind of in the shadow of his fedora just enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that jawline just isn't getting it. Mm-hmm. Well, or for sure, Tom well, Hanks we'll wasn't. I heard that Tom Hanks didn't want his likeness on a pinball machine, right. so Apollo thirteen was definitely like skewed a little bit to not look like him. Mm-hmm. Well, when you have like the, I mean. It, Say what you will. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of like the really crappy movie poster Photoshop art, but sure. it's a lot harder to get away with that. Like Game now. of Thrones. Oh my god, what an <laughs> opportunity that was I know. for art. For art. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like, oh, I mean, it's just so frustrating when it looks like a like a like a poster you'd have in a dorm room, like, for sure. You know, you, yeah. And it's like they they know what people want. They know what like kind of art people respond to. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, and, I, and I, I'm going to very weakly play devil's advocate here because I don't even believe what I'm pitching. Do you remember, <laughs> but, remember that? I'm sorry, do you remember The Simpsons when Homer asked to go play devil's advocate? Because, eh, when Homer and he says, plays pinball with uh, Flanders? No, no, he plays okay. a pinball machine called Devil's Advocate. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's what it was. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm thinking of Flanders as the devil, but yeah, he does go, he plays a game called Devil's Advocate. Yeah, it's like, too simple, I play Devil's Advocate for a minute, and then he's yeah. playing Devil's Advocate for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but my, my very weak attempt at Devil's Advocacy here is that, um, especially with licenses like Game of Thrones, where, you know, they're such a I, hot commodity, they, they have so many restrictions sometimes yeah. as to what they're actually allowed to do. I mean, you heard um, from Jack that, the the Hobbit had very specific like curting in the font. oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah at um the Northwest Pinball Arcade Showcase um a few years back uh, Jersey Jack and others that worked on the Hobbit game like spoke at length about h- how much their hands were tied trying to in you know work with the Hobbit but mm-hmm. still still yeah right. still it's it's amazing because I feel like it's such a shame because you know you, you can see why they want to work with. Game of Thrones or like Walking Dead, oh, like absolutely giant of the moment pieces of IP. But then yeah. there's some IPs that, like historically speaking, have just really loved pinball and really wanted to be a part of it. Like it's no coincidence. I'm not saying this is a good example nor one that really you know, fits in anything else here. But like Hugh Hefner was the biggest Playboy fan who ever sure. lived, and apparently just there's like five Playboy pinball machines because of that. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, and apparently like Robert Zemeckis and Steven Spielberg. Were so into pinball that when mm. they were making Back to the Future, they were like they they really wanted their own personal pinball machines from it. Oh wow! Um, even though that is definitely not Marty McFly on the front of that Back to the Future <laughs> pinball machine. You I've never looked at that like closely. Yeah, an actor who is dressed like Michael J. Fox, but he is not Michael J. Come Fox. on, are you serious? I'm gonna look at it so much closer if I ever see one again. If I ever see yeah. one again. <laughs> well, they had one at the Northwest oh. show like three years ago next oh, to a DeLorean. Those are hard to come by, yeah. Yeah, they had a DeLorean and a BF De- or Back to the Future right next to each other. Totally. Oh, my God. That's one of those things that like even – I have no idea how good that game is. But even it's if it not. was the worst game in the world. Yeah. Exactly. But even if it's the worst game in the world, it's always going to go for like way too much money just because of that fan base. Sure. You know, or like, like the, the – game. And, isn't there yeah. an Aaron Spalding one or Aaron Spelling game? That's like one. Is it Aaron Spelling? There yeah, is an Aaron Spelling pinball game. Yeah. Wait, is it like a one-off? Or it's is a one-off. It like a... Yeah, it was custom made for him. Uh, there um, was a. God, I'm gonna. There's some. There's some cool. There's a great art exhibit in Brooklyn at the Brooklyn Museum like a year ago. That's some artists who somebody listening is screaming at right now. And sure. knows that I don't know. It's <laughs> on my head. Uh, where like half the art exhibit was just like these custom one-off pinball machines. Oh, and then there was this neat pop-up. That was done uh, for like Wes Anderson and Life Aquatic. That oh, was in like Budapest all of these or... Steve's. No, yeah, it was uh, Ital- in Italy, right? The Wes Anderson themed. I think so. uh, yeah. 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 Oh, it's like Steve's Zoop pinball machines. 
Yeah. Um, I think Michael Jackson had a couple commissioned at one point. Didn't yeah, he? He, like he, some... he owned a few and so did Presley. Like he, he definitely had some at, um, at his mansion. There. But I think he had um, some like one-offs commissioned, like custom games. Or it was like a Pepsi game. Yeah, I think there's you're right. There's something weird about, you know what I'm talking about? There's like a Pepsi pinball that might, like Pepsi, I'm looking at something right. Pepsi Michael Jackson pinball. There's some <laughs> weird story here. Hmm. It's not from when he, his hair caught on fire though, right? Oh, no. Why would apparently, he, why would oh, he try to memorialize that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. Though apparently it's, yeah, it, it surfaced on eBay at one point, but there was like this super rare one-off Pepsi pinball machine. I think it was made for a TV commercial. Hmm. That's what it was. That does sound kind of familiar to me. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm looking. My other favorite thing are old pinball promotional, like, flyers and brochures. Oh, sure. I'm looking at this one right now for the Back to the Future one. And the guy who's, like, dressed like Marty is – he's okay. The guy who's <laughs> dressed like Doc Brown, though, it's, it, it looks like they just, like, grabbed a random guy from the back and threw a white wig <laughs> on him. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and he's no older than the Marty character. <laughs> like, <laughs> but they're just hoping that you don't look that close. Don't look that close. Don't look that close. I would still. I mean, that's in the promo uh, art. The the actual game itself, they're using to great effect that like futuristic visor to obscure Doc Brown's face and the hat to obscure Marty's. So oh you, sure, and they both so have you, their. From what I remember, they both have their like hands on their brows or on their like glasses. Yeah, right? something so, like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, for what it's worth, I just found a an article online uh, called "Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Michael Jackson and Pinball." Oh, well, and then. it's got more than one photo of him playing pinball. It's awesome. There's some random. I mean, there's ones people know about, but then there's like I bet some random celebrities who are really into it. Oh yeah, yeah. did you ever see the custom uh, Bill Paxton pinball machine that someone made? Fun. I mean, that was Ben Heck made that. Oh, did he? Really? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Poor so he ben made Heck. that. So yeah, poor Ben Heck. <laughs> yeah. So so that was his first foray into pinball way before Spooky. Uh-huh. Um, was and I think it like if it wasn't for that Bill Paxton machine, I'm sure somebody knows this way better than I do. But I would say if it wasn't for that Bill Paxton machine, we wouldn't have um, you know, Spooky America's Most Haunted. Right. Yes. Well, he was working with around? John Papaduke for a little while. You knew that. Oh, right? that's right. Yeah, before he went to Spooky, yeah, yeah, he was, yeah, he was yeah. in in cahoots with a Papaduke trying to work on Magic Girl and Retrograde Zombies and Alice in Wonderland and all that garbage that never happened. And they took a bunch of money from people and never paid back. That happens. Yeah, it does, but uh, it's, it's yeah. The dark side. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like. Did you hear about the Predator game from Skippy Pinball? Oh yeah, I, pl- I played it once. Like I played it at the Northwest show, and I thought it was for sure a thing that was happening. It was cool, and then uh, it comes out. Oh, you never secured a license. Why would you? And, <laughs> and I mean, like every drip, drip, drip of info about that one just made it seem like shadier and yeah. shadier. Like what a ballsy move! I just could not believe it. I think he just kind of thought like nobody would notice. Yeah, is what it was. It was like yeah, they they notice. <laughs> yeah, but and, when you're asking people to give you several thousand dollars for a machine, mm-hmm. they're gonna notice. God goodness, it's not like a Kickstarter that doesn't come to fruition. It's like thousands right. of dollars. Yeah. Oh, it's Which so is, crazy. You know, it's how like three years ago, how many pinball startups were we excited about, and how many of them mm-hmm. are still around? It's, it's yeah, it's not an easy. Didn't Dutch just shut down too? I heard Dutch just shut down. Yeah, they only oh, ship really? fifty units of Big Lebowski. No, mm-hmm. wow. They have one of those at Sunshine, and it has breaks down not working. All. Right? Yeah. Never. I've never seen it work. Yeah, like, that's what that's, people were pretty um, hesitant to buy one because, for one, securing parts from the Netherlands like 
was not something that people in, in the States really wanted to do. But the license itself is just so enticing and the game looked cool. I've played it a few yeah. times. It's very cool. But it's just not really there. And it's just like it kind of proves to you as much as I've like complained about Stern in the past. It proves to you that like you can't really hate about a good thing there. Yeah. And people that have been doing it for a long time, they know what they're doing. And it shows yeah. how hard it is to make a game from scratch. Absolutely. Oh, even like, you know, Jersey Jack, who knows what's doing better than just about anybody else out there. Yeah. Other than Stern, like, you know, Hobbit took them forever to show. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised that they even launched a third game that they're on the in the works of. Yeah. Could be another year or two until we see dialed in mm-hmm. you know, but good for them for you know for for making it happen yeah uh, absolutely it's, you know mm-hmm. so many that I couldn't and I'm, I'm obviously like super glad they did but like stern if i think can put a new game out every couple months and it's yeah. probably going to be an okay game some of them might even be great games is, is nothing short of remarkable well you're seeing absolutely. like stern's hand get forced too it's really interesting yeah. mm-hmm. um to like see because i just on monday i played this two days ago i played the new aerosmith and i right across from it was uh, Batman 66 and just like even uh, at shorties I was you know by tri- Graham will know this reference was near the ramp to the trophy room mm-hmm. and I could see the scores from where I was like I could see you know a good 15 feet back what my teammates scores were because that screen was so large mm-hmm. I was like whoa <laughs> this is so different yeah. I'm not like I, maybe somebody will do the LCD thing right but mm-hmm. it's it to me it, it kind of feels like how cars are trying to shove these giant touchscreens oh, in sure. and it's just like <laughs> yeah. super distracting from the what you should be doing, which is driving. Mm-hmm. It's like pinball, like to me, pinball is it's like a flow state sport. Like you get in it, you it, in in the perfect game, you you feel like you're totally in control of the ball and you want to be you want as few distractions as possible. And then this like giant animation on this 15-inch <laughs> screen jumps out to you and you see, <laughs> you know, Adam West to like punch a bad guy. It's, it <laughs> sure totally work but I'm, I'm curious about how the um is it highway they're like integrating lcd into the playing into field the play field yeah. yeah and so yeah. um this was this is coming out this summer but i i i have done projects i'm not sure if you're aware of drop target zine um they're one guy is based out of california and one is based out of massachusetts vermont area and they're both comics uh illustrators and they do did a seven part series of these really intricate beautiful zines about pinball and now they're doing a compendium book that's going to be coming out this year of 400 to 500 pages Hmm. and they do dream machines and uh, i'm doing where in the world's carmen san diego with a an lcd screen built into the play field yes (laughs) i would totally do that and then you got to get the oregon trail one just do like all games and like and when you lose and have game over, it says you've died of cholera. <laughs> <laughs> oh you've boy, of dysentery. You've drowned yeah. in the river. Sorry, um, but Carmen San Diego. Cool. Like I, I, I could totally see how that would be actually like a reasonable pinball machine. Like in terms of of modes where you're trying to find the artifacts. Who exactly. Knows? It's a who, it's sound. a who, what, where. And it, what, so mine is integrated. It's a little bit of judge dread. So there's a globe in there so that you enter the globe and that's where your lock shots are. Um, nice. And it's a little bit of NBA fast break where the modes are timed, but you get more time awarded to your clock. If you get trivia, right. About architecture or uh, the cultural uh, history, art history, um, geography, any of those questions that you get right, add more time to your clock. I want to do is I'm going to make a pinball machine that's nothing but video modes. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's called virtual pinball. Oh, or, or a video game. Yeah. <laughs> so, here's my idea, guys. It's a pinball machine, but you just press a button to make a character jump over something or turn a mine car and just that. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> the greatest it's, hits of pinball arcade or like yeah. video pinball. 
Your yeah. hairdos, guys. It's it's like uh, it's like you're playing um, missile commander, but it only lasts about ten seconds, and you lose once you're over, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, or the Congo <laughs> video mode, where you're just like, oh, every time I lose, the, another um, entrance way is blocked off, and then the excitement is that you go to the one until it's gone, right? Or like the the one that's not blocked off or has a yeti in it. <laughs> I played Congo like twice. Oh, Congo's I, fun. If you get a chance, you should play it again. It was at this bar. I was just in Austin for South by, and mm-hmm. it's at a bar pinballs. there. Pinballs. Uh, Buffalo billiards. Oh, okay, hmm. I've heard pinballs with the Z is the one that people go to a lot there in Austin. Uh, I didn't have much free time, but it's um, but it's this one's great. It's right on like the like the the annoying strip of bars that's in the middle of town, and there's mm-hmm. like actually two bars there that have a ton of pinball machines randomly, which is like kind of great because it's otherwise like walking around Times Square. Oh sure. Yeah. So, uh, what are your guys' favorite games? Let's oh, see. Boy. I hate that question. Don't you hate that question? It's, so it's, hard. it's yeah. hard to choose yeah. your favorites. I do really, yeah. really like Fast Break a lot. My favorite used to be Monster Bash, but then I realized that it's the same as Attack from Mars and Medieval Madness. <laughs> and then just but there's nothing wrong with that. Wrong with I, I love all three out. of those yeah, games you just mentioned. Uh, Medieval Madness was the one that made me really fall in love with pinball. So mm-hmm. that's definitely in my top. I love five Fathom or so. too for an EM or well, like a solid There state, we go. Sorry. Yeah. That's yeah. okay. Um, but it's just beautiful. It's got decent flow. Kayla apologized because she knows that Fathom is usually my uh, back back me into a corner uh, answer. Yeah. I love the late seventies, early eighties uh, ballets. There's just oh, something yeah. just perfect about mm-hmm. the the amount of gameplay there and the speed of the ball and the artwork. Uh, I mean, it's, it's so it. amazing that era. I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's amazing how they shove so much into you know the pre-dmd games like really like the, the end of yeah like centaur right? is incredible oh, yeah. Yeah. absolutely like you have like, to do everything on purpose in order yeah and how do you like and those games too you know what, what really you know as a kid when you're playing pinball you're kind of like wandering into one at like a pizza shop and you don't know what you're mm-hmm. doing you're flipping flippers sure um the ball's gonna die immediately maybe you'll accidentally stumble into like a multi-ball or something you have no idea how you got there and it always kind of felt like this very mysterious game and like almost like sacred knowledge, like how you do these things. I think it must have been doubly so back then. Like imagine being in 1979, 1981, playing one of these games and having to figure out what to do without like the internet rule sheets. To tell oh you. my gosh, right. I can't even imagine. Or without yeah. a DMD like shouting the answers yeah. along exactly. for you. Yeah. Exactly. Without without the DMD telling you what to hit next. Like it's kind of like, you know, an old Nintendo games, um, you know, schoolyard wisdom about where to find the secrets but mm-hmm. yeah but, i mean times 10 like there's like no nintendo like how do you, power stuff yeah there's no nintendo power for pinball machines like there's how do you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I you mean, guys there's papa this, but, but there's but but like in, imagine like going up to a new game in, in 1980 and trying to get a high score when it is when it takes that much like you know deliberate that many deliberate shots yeah in order to do what you're supposed to do it must have been but then imagine how much better the discovery is yeah exactly yeah, I'm yeah, saying. so it's like much more problem. rewarding yeah, yeah. Exactly, and and certainly more frustrating. I can understand why the industry felt like a lot of casual players weren't really into it because of that because it's uh, you know you're leaving this era in the '70s when a lot of the games are rather simple and approachable. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not really too much to do. The, the play field kind of tells you what to do, and even if you don't know what you're doing, you're gonna hear a lot of funny bells and whistles and probably have a yeah. good time um, to game these games that like are probably much harder for one thing. Like a lot of those games are really hard. And you will lose really, really quickly, and mm-hmm. you might have absolutely no idea what you're supposed to do. Yeah. I'd love to hear somebody who's like a, like a, a great pinball player from that era talk about their process. 
Because mm-hmm. I have absolutely no idea where you'd even begin to get that information. Oh, absolutely. Back. That would be fascinating. Yeah, I mean, there's like the little roll card, but it really is it's very brief Nothing. on what to do. Oh, yeah. That's and the roughest of outlines. It's true. My favorite is like the, some of the new Stern games, how incredibly vague those roll cards are like in Metallica. Oh, yeah. Well, because the they're snake. constantly changing the code, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Metallica, snake, feed the snake. It's hungry. <laughs> what's it hungry for (laughs) exactly but that right there i'm like you're kidding me it's like literally like when they print it they had no idea what oh sure yeah (laughs) they should send every update out with like a a print card like pdf that you can print to like put down in place of the shitty roll card that they had made feed the snake it's hungry um yeah so i mean right righteous era though though i mean it's just so different to think about how it must have been to be really honestly good at any kind of niche activity back then Mm. where you had to first of all like find people to do with and second of all learn it when it's everything was harder to come by yeah oh yeah it's just like any any uh underground art scene as well like actually trying to find independent music in the 70s and 80s like what a what a rewarding and grueling process that was mm-hmm. versus anything post internet. Yeah, everything's word of mouth and just like trusting your friends. Mm-hmm. And mixtapes, and if you're lucky. But that's that's an experience like so many people will never know about music yeah. or any or movies or anything. Like, I mean, you needed zines, really. What you yeah. guys talking about? That that's how information was dispersed, whether it was comics or music or, or movies. If it wasn't, you know, if it was relatively independent. Totally. This hurt my heart a little bit, but at work about a few weeks ago, I was writing a postcard to my friend Phil in DC. Like he and I swap pinball stories via postcards. And this girl at my lunch break room was like, what's that? What are you doing? I was like, I'm writing a postcard. She's like, tell me what, what is it? Oh, I was no. like, oh. <laughs> Don't make me explain my shame, my secret shame. I was like, look, I get to write a message to my friend. It's almost like a text, but then I put a stamp on it and then the mailman gives it to him a few days later. <laughs> 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 Wait, oh. and is that, is that what is that cursive writing you're doing? Yeah, right. What's, what's that? <laughs> no, it's all caps because I'm angry at you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I wanted to ask you a few oddball questions too. We're gonna sure. start to wrap up here, but um, sure. they're not pinball related. Warning. Let's do it. Um, so back to the ice age. Can you tell me about that? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, it's 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 back to the stone age. Back to the stone uh, age. Oh, thanks, Lenny. Oh. So my friend Lenny Jackson played with you like one time, like 20 years ago. Yeah. So Lenny was a friend of mine back in Chicago. I guess he's your friend now. But um, Mm -hmm. he was on my pinball team last season. Yeah. In like 2000 or it was 2000, um, 2001, 2001, 2002, we'll say. Um, I I, I put together like a noise band and I'm using both the term noise and the term band very loosely. (laughs) uh, That was called Back to the Stone Age. And it was just like whatever people I knew with instruments threw them on stage because there was this bar in town in Chicago where members of the band, first of all, they had a sign painted on their window that said bands wanted. Oh. And then, <laughs> and then if you play. Acquire inside. Uh, Inquire they, inside. Didn't, they didn't give the band money, but anybody who was in the band could drink for free. Oh, so nice. our hack was we're all in the band. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so Genius. I literally was like, yeah, so like, oh yeah, all fifteen of us are are in this band. You yeah. just show up, clap, play a triangle, cowbell, guitar, theremin, Mouth whatever harp, you want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And man, it was it sounded awful. It sounded really bad. <laughs> but but kind of like you know, it, got, it was recorded. I listened to it, and I was like, you know what? 
like there's somebody out there who would probably like this. Somebody, yeah. somebody. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that was back to the Stone Age. Nice. That's so funny. I think I did three shows. We did, like, oh. I think three shows. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it was, there's free, there was free drinking. That's, that right. was the, that's why you do bands in the first place. That's Absolutely. pretty true. And then also being on yeah. those shows for free. Because you're playing yes. them. <laughs> yes. Well, these shows didn't cost money anyway. No, they sure, were. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not like you're sharing a stage. Nobody's. For someone. Yeah. Nobody's. Oh, actually, there was one show we did that um, at the Fireside Bowl in Chicago. Did you really? Come that, on. Uh, like a veil played there. You yeah. But it, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We did. But it, it was like a 3 p.m. show. Oh my god. <laughs> so, oh man. So there's just people still bowling yeah. too. No, this is like the, the bowling alley was not in operation at this point. Okay, I think cool. they renovated gotcha. after and like made it a bowling alley, but it was like a stage next to a derelict bowling alley gotcha. at this point at 3 p.m. It was daylight. <laughs> no <laughs> one know? was there, right? There was like seven people who showed up. There was more people on stage <laughs> than at the venue. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Yeah, um, I think that show cost five bucks, but we weren't the only band playing, and they certainly weren't. We didn't. They were certainly weren't paying us. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of like kind of amazing, wonderful, strange music, can you tell me why Wesley Willis wrote a song about you? Yes, please. Oh, sure. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I don't mean to sound that make that sound like a backhanded compliment at all. But please. do we need to explain who Wesley Willis is? Um, I think that's probably a good idea. Yeah, okay. I suppose so. Okay, so Wesley Willis was a musician who became somewhat popular. Uh, in like the early days of Napster in particular, mm-hmm. when so he was a musician, he actually he suffered from schizophrenia mm-hmm. and his music was him just kind of talking with very sing-songy voice. Sing-songy voice, yeah, over what sounded like but was not actually like the demo button on the Casio keyboard. Yeah. And his songs were either about friends of his or bands he liked or things he did that day or or uh, or just kind of random fantasies. About, mm-hmm. Like he has songs like "I Whoop Superman's Ass" or <laughs> yeah. "I Whoop Batman's Ass," and uh, he was he was a, a Chicago guy, you know. And he, he got involved sh- in South Park or Sub Pop too, didn't he? Like they put uh, out one of his records. I think Alternative Tentacles. Did. That's what it was. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so Jelly Biafra was like a big fan of his. Yeah, and and Wesley's music was so strange and offbeat. He's part of the you know he's what you would call an outsider musician. It was yeah. so strange and, and offbeat. That it became that once like Napster started coming and people are like sharing all this weird kind of stuff that would have been really hard to find at a record store before. It kind of develops this cult following of college kids, really, who are mm-hmm. kind of trading it on these servers with Napster. Um, and then also around this time, yeah, Jello Biafra uh, was friends of his and put out some of his records, Alternative Tentacles, which was sort of like a major label. And MTV started playing one of his videos uh, for the song Alanis Morissette. Uh, which is about Alanis Morissette. And then he appeared on Howard Stern a couple times and kind of became a little bit of a culty Cult figure. Legend, yeah. Yeah, from that. But he was uh, a super fascinating character. It's really hard to describe him without mentioning that he was very large. Yeah. Like, like very, very imposingly large. I happened um, to be in New Orleans when he was there when I was 18. Yeah. And I just didn't, I wasn't old enough to appreciate who Wesley Willis was, but I did see him in person. He's amazing. Yeah, he's hard to miss. I'll tell yeah, you that. Like uh-huh. he has a presence, um, mm-hmm. and he was he was this really interesting, really just funny kind of childhood like character who suffered from schizophrenia, and the music was basically how he would cope with his schizophrenia. Before being a musician, he was um, he was an artist, basically a street artist who would draw these incredible. He was never homeless. I don't mean that, but he was right. an, a street artist, like, street performer and, almost. Right? Yeah, exactly. 
and, and I say that because there's a lot of people who think he was homeless, and mm -hmm. like I say, that's not the case. He was never homeless, but he was a street artist who would draw these. Actually, I have two of them in my living room right now. I'm oh. looking at right now. This is really funny. Um, but he would draw these incredibly intricate hand, like uh, colored pen drawings of Chicago, of the cityscape, Beautiful. and thousands of them. Like like just pumped them out, and they were all either the highway or the sky or you know just the skyscrapers, or it was just all Chicago. There's never really any people in them. Um, mm -hmm. just all Chicago and they're really just entrancing and incredibly detailed and he would use this to cope with schizophrenia and then he stumbled onto music and he realized that music kind of kept the voices in his head at bay so he yeah. instantly kind of latched onto it uh, I first met Wesley um, I was like 17 years old uh, I was in the DC area uh, it's before I even lived in Chicago and a friend of mine was friends with Wesley and was kind of uh, I don't want to say babysitting, but like taking care of him during the daytime mm -hmm. while he was kind of playing, and he playing some shows at night. My friend had to, had to work during the day. So he's like, hey, Seth, you want to just like hang out with Wesley to you know, keep an eye on him, make sure he's all right and needs anything? I'm like, you know, 17 year old me, it's like, sure. Yeah. Sounds awesome. And I met him like once or twice before. Um, and we became friends, you know, just like, hanging out with him for mm -hmm. like three straight days and he wrote a song about me which is what he does about anybody he likes yeah uh and it was it's called seth porges right. and it's just like you can probably upload and you got a friend in jesus you got a friend in yeah exactly yeah. it's he, he says essentially <laughs> that um yeah. if you guys don't have it i'll send it to you you can slip it in right here uh but <laughs> he uh he was like he was such a great guy he died in 2003 mm -hmm. and uh you know before then of course i moved to chicago and i saw him a ton because he lived in Chicago he barely left Chicago except the tour and uh and, and it was just like a really amazing hilarious interesting character I think some people kind of felt like it's music you're not supposed to like because it's like they thought people were like laughing at him right because mm -hmm. his because his stuff is hilarious and I think to some people the joke is oh here's the crazy person let's laugh at him but I don't think people realize like just how in on the joke he was. Yeah. And, and how passionate he was about that yeah, too. Exactly. Yeah. How in on the joke he was, how much he just wanted to like perform for people. He kind of made himself a bit of like a clown character intentionally. Right. Um, and how much he liked to perform for people and, and also just how much the music just helped him from like a, a medical and therapeutic perspective. Like mm -hmm. he he would say that he probably would have been dead years before if it wasn't for his music. And there's just really no doubt that would have been true. Like he like, I mean, every the, the scale was weighed against that guy from the moment he was born. Oh, like, sure. He, it, the, the household he grew up in, the environment, the the mental issues he yeah. had, like race relations, amazing. anything like that. Yeah. Everything like that. Um, yeah. I mean, he's like the penultimate, penultimate, like, example of like how art saves lives. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really, it's powerful. And he was, and all of a sudden, there's also people who thought like his whole shtick was kind of an act. And that's also not the case. Like, he, he definitely was schizophrenic, definitely had voices right. in his head. He would call them demons. And we'd sing about his demons frequently mm -hmm. in his music. And, you know, I, I witnessed him as an example. Like, he would, he would just sit there, quiet, not say anything. Then he'd get up, go into the bathroom, start screaming at uh, his demons. And, like, you shut the hell up. You just shut the hell up. And then he'd come back a minute later, like, nothing had happened. And it's, uh, and I mean, it was just torment. It's just torment. Yeah. And he was on his medication, the medication. Uh, doesn't make you feel good, you know. It's mm -hmm. not. It's not the kind of. It's not happy pills. And it kind of um, strips you of your personality, huh? I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I wish like, I could speak I, with authority about that. Right. But yeah. But I know that any kind of like mind-altering chemicals, whether they're like cr crutches or meds, they do sort of like take a little part of you away. I think they also really 
cost him the game more weight. And yeah. he mm-hmm. was he was already a pretty big guy, and mm-hmm. he had uh, type two diabetes too. And um, I'm not sure how many people know, but he, uh, it, it you know just the weight gain that came from these from these drugs. Uh, I mean, like every time I would see him, he'd be like bigger and bigger and bigger in a way that really wasn't healthy. Yeah. Um, and he actually died from leukemia, uh, which I actually kind of found somewhat surprising. I think that, you know, I think everybody expected something from his from his weight would have done it. But sure, like heart complications yeah. or something. Heart disease or who knows what. Yeah. But yeah, well, Wesley, well, amazing power, guy. Wesley. If anybody hasn't heard his music, they should yeah. totally look him up. Uh, you can just look on YouTube or something. It's weird. It's kind of hypnotic. It's amazing. Uh, some of it is you've never heard before you're gonna laugh your ass off if you have heard oh, it sure, before yeah. but haven't listened in years seriously right now is a good time to go refamiliarize yeah. yourself like, with it. my memory is a little spotty about a lot of things but you know i can i can just quote yeah right. <laughs> like, go to yeah. the barber tell him you're sick of looking like an asshole yeah <laughs> cut i mean that mullet. Cut, that, cut that mullet like yeah <laughs> <laughs> like it pleased, it pleased me to no end to find out that you had a song written by wesley willis about oh you. thank you yeah <laughs> My mother, my tell your you, parents are like, neuroscientists, right? Like they are. I was saying, my mom though was so proud of that. Oh, like, that, oh. that she was. Oh. Like, my mom is like like a, a, a pretty amazing woman uh, and like a pretty spectacular and accomplished neuroscientist, and uh, and she was like. I remember, like, she was like crying. She was so proud that oh. I had this song written about me. It was really amazing. Yeah, that's so sweet. Well. Seth, I hate to do this, but we're going to wrap it up. It's been an absolute right. pleasure to talk to you. I would like Thank to you have so you again much. sometime. Absolutely. It's been a time. lot of fun. Yeah. And hey, you should come, uh, you should take a pinball vacation out yeah. here in Seattle sure. because it really is a paradise come out here for pinball. Come do some investigation, investigative journalism out here. <laughs> can, I, can I plug my Twitter? Absolutely. Please, yes, please. yeah. Any, yeah. Anything you have to plug, please. That's it. That's what I just put. That's a forges, S-E-T-H-P-O-R-G-E-S. I'll do it. Got it. You know, I, oh, and if you guys want to, actually, another thing that, I, we could talk about it for hours, but we won't right now. Is look up the movie I made about Action Park. I think oh, yeah, that was really on like my list people. to talk to you about. Did they have an ar- <laughs> like? Did they have an arcade there? I haven't checked out the documentary yet. Oh my goodness, that's a great question. That I probably almost. I mean, they had an arcade certainly like on premises, like at the Greater Resort. Mm-hmm. They had to have. Yeah, oh I'm looking goodness. forward to checking that out. And but Action Park, it. the pinball machine machine would have been an amazing game with like a loop. <laughs> <laughs> so would it have like been a like a roller coaster ball? tycoon but like oh. things change when you hit shots kind of thing or 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 the ball just like no matter what happens you lose like you just get hurt <laughs> sure it, 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 it's like roller coaster tycoon but it shocks you right yeah <laughs> you try to play it oh my god there has to have been a pinball game at some time that shocked the user and, and it turned out well, to be a really bad idea i'm gonna to pull the been. curtain back for a second and let graham go to the bathroom and tell you about this play- game I played <laughs> okay i'll be right back yeah <laughs> <laughs> um I, when i was in berlin um there's a there's a game there called it was like a pong style game uh it was called the pain station and it, <laughs> so instead of playstation it was pain station and it uh you hand your hand on a button on one side and then your other hand was on a dial that uh, controlled the paddle that you would pass the ball back and forth to, get to the player on the other side of it and if you missed and it hit it was kind of like breakout or breakout um, yeah. And if you hit a yellow brick, there was a shock wave that came to your hand. If you hit a blue brick uh, or a red brick, it, it had a heat sensor that would come on underneath your hand. And if you hit a yellow one, there was this rubber whip that would come and just bash the shit out of the back of your hand. So, like, you're, it was in your best interest to not hit these bricks and to, like, make them hit your opponents and to block your goal right there. But... 
yeah, my friend Robin and I just played that over and over again at this computer museum in Berlin. And like to the point where I had a welt on the back of my hand from the rubber whip and had to like remove it because it had a magnet on it. So I felt like, okay, if we're going to continue to play this, I'll deal with the shock and the heat, but not the whip. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh no, my only goodness. the Germans, right? Uh, well, it's been really great chatting with you guys. Absolutely. So. It's been so much fun talking to you. Awesome. You guys have a really great night. And yeah. Thank yeah. you. you Thanks too. again so much for joining us. You are my friend to the max. You have a friend in the mix. You have a friend from Bapnas to Melon. I like you a lot like Cool Whip. Self Porches. Self Porches. Self Porches. Self Porches. You have a friend in Jesus' name. You have a friend in Jesus Christ. You have a friend in the Holy Ghost. You have a friend in God's show wall. Self porches. Self porches. Self porches. Self porches. friend to the end. You have a friend to attend to speak. You have a friend forevermore. You have a friend as earth moves. Self porches. Self porches. Self porches. Self porches. Rock over London. Rock on Chicago. Good year. It's number one in tires.